0: called Greetings from 2020. God, thank you so much for a chance to be able to, um, to make a difference in our community. I pray that we would be people of peace, people that speak words of truth and words of love. And Lord, in the midst of a crazy divisive world, may we bring hope in a world that has increasingly become divided over so many things, May we come together as the body of Christ over who you are and what you're doing in our lives, and may our lives be a reflection of your love and light in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, how we doing? We alive and well? I'm glad to see your faces and over the last few weeks we've had more and more of you returning and coming back through the doors and just glad to have uh, those of you who are here in the room. Uh, I say this every week, and I'll say it probably every week till like, I don't know, until I'm over it, but uh, I am an extrovert, and so it is nice having people here with us. And I do wanna say thank you and uh, welcome to everybody who's joining us online. We are in a series called Greetings from 2020. I got my new shirt for the series, uh, and let's just call it what it is. This year has been crazy. And as we have been talking uh, about what to kind of discuss, Brad and I spent some time kind of praying about and discussing what should we talk about going into the fall here. We thought one of the conversations we could have and maybe should have, because we want it to be practical, we want it to be helpful, is uh, what do you do when you find yourself in times of uncertainty? Uh, And what we've realized is, and what I know is true about you and me and many of you in this space have different levels or different, uh, uh, I don't want to say levels necessarily, but different opportunities to have influence or leadership, Uh, and everybody has influence in some way or another. Some of you have influence within your workspace. Everybody has influence over themselves or family members. And what do you do when you find yourself there stuck? with uh, all of the crazy stuff that's going on, and you're thinking to yourself, how in the world do I parent right now? Like, how do I give answers to my kids who are asking these questions? How do I manage this tension that we find ourselves in? What do we do when we find ourselves in the midst of all sorts of uncertainty? Because one thing is certain here in 2020, and that is the fact that there is nothing that we are certain about. Like even as you start planning, I don't know what your workplace is like, but here at Inspire, uh, one of the things that I'm responsible for is like our plans with our children's ministry and, and all of our volunteers. And, and you start talking to people about here's what we're planning to do on such and such date, but things can change. And it's really kind of, it's frustrating when you start putting out plans knowing that one simple small thing could just completely upend the entire thing. And we are definitely in uncertain times. And what is true, even though we're feeling it at a heightened level, is uncertainty is just a part of life. It's a permanent part of life. It's always around us in some way or another. It's just, when you're in this season of life, it feels like it's elevated because there's way more things that feel uncertain. Like you used to be able to plan and say, okay, well, I know this will happen at this point in time. I know this will be here. Spring break, we'll probably do this. Fall break, we'll do that. Labor Day, when we, you know, and you have all these different things they are on the calendar. You can kind of roughly plan we'll be there, but it seems like this year, everything is up for grabs. Everything can get canceled. Everything can be wiped out, changed, transformed to the degree that your kids don't even go to school, People. Like some of them are like going half the time and then here in Westfield schools, my kids go four days starting this next week and I can't thank the Lord enough. I am serious. Can I get an amen, right? (laughs) You're just like, oh, please. And the reality is like all this stuff is happening to us. How do you lead through it? Like, how do you influence others? What do you do when you 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 take your investment in other people's lives seriously? What in the world do you do? And so, in this series, we've talked about uh, what do you do when you find yourself in uncertain times. And so, week one, we kicked off the series. We just said this: influence is a stewardship. All the influence that we have is a gift that's been given to us. Though you might think you've earned it, we believe. Here at Inspire, God's given us these gifts and we are stewards of it. And so what we do with it matters and it's temporary, meaning it can expire. And you may think, oh no, it'll never expire. I'll never get a different job. Oh, I started this thing. They can't kick me out. Yes, they can. I'm a pastor. I started this church. You guys could kick me out if you wanted to. Like there's all sorts of things they have. Your kids, you have influence in their lives. There's a day they could grow up and that influence could expire because they they no longer need you. And the way you leveraged your influence when they were younger could change the way they view you in your future. Leadership influence—it is temporary, and we are accountable for how we use it. So that's how we kicked off the entire series. And then what we've said is like there are there are three things that Brad and I have learned. And to be quite honest with you, we've learned them from other leaders. Uh, there's a pastor that I pay a lot of attention to, by, named Andy Stanley. He's like a leadership guru. He's smarter than I ever thought of being when it comes to leadership. And I pay a lot of attention to him. He's ahead of us, and he's older, and he's very wise. And he uh, he's taught us uh, a couple of different things. And uh, what we're going to be talking about what we've talked about last week or what we kind of consider to be like non-negotiables or irreducible minimums. Uh, And so last week, uh, Brad talked about positional authority and how sometimes you have positions that give you authority. Like you're the boss, you're the manager, your mom, your dad. Uh, There are Positions you hold that give you authority, and so you can you can see yourself in that way. But there's also another way you have authority, and that's through moral authority. And Brad did a great job breaking that down last week. If you missed it, you can check it out online. Today we're going to be talking about how in the world is it that you can provide clarity. Clarity is an important part of what it means to lead. And uh, lots of times we think about leadership, and it's 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 about taking people on a journey, really. If you're parenting, you're teaching your kids how to grow up, and at different levels and at different stages of their lives, you're teaching them different parts of that journey. Like it starts off with like, here's how you feed yourself. Uh, and this is probably, if, you don't, if you've never been here, this will maybe throw you off, but like, uh, we talk about everything here at Inspire, but like, I remember when my kids officially got to the point where they could wipe their own butts. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Right, like that's a part of life, and it was a journey we were on. And when we finally got across that threshold, you're like, "Oh man, what a great!" Like your parenting is still taking your kids on a journey, and it looks different when they're younger. When they turn into their get into their twenties, it's going to be different than it is when they're two, right? And you just know that this is a part of it. When you're in when you're in leadership, you're taking people on these journey uh, on a journey uh, along the way, and sometimes you have to, uh, you know, we're asking people to go places that we've never been ourselves. Like you're, you're on a journey with them and you happen to be the mom, you happen to be the dad, you're the boss, you're the manager, uh, you sit on the board and the reality is you find yourself sitting someplace or in, an, in a situation where you've never been there yourself and you're tasked with the responsibility of how do you navigate this group, these people, these young ones uh, through this when you've never been there yourself. Like, some crazy situations, like, I was thinking about this last week, like, we live in the midst right now of a pandemic combined with an economic shutdown that's left us teetering on economic meltdown while navigating social unrest during an election year. How do you lead through that? I don't know about you, but when I was in college, we didn't have a class on this one. Like, this wasn't in, like, you know, Ministry 101 or even 401. Like, this wasn't something we've never been here before. And what can happen is, is like every every one of us have this tension that we're wrestling with. like every mom, every dad, every leader is trying to navigate through this tension. And what happens when people find themselves in tensions like this, people crave certainty. Like they're dying to find something that they can Considered to be like this will certainly happen. This is why politicians, when they run, like their stump speeches are always on things that are certain. Like I can promise this will happen. I can promise it will go this way. I promise to execute this. Politicians know that if they can promise certainty, they can get people to follow them. And here's what what's real: we have to fight the temptation to give into uh, this need to promise certainty to the people that we lead. You see you can't promise it because it lives in this realm that you have no control over. And that is the future. You can't promise certainty because it lives somewhere that you don't. You can't give it to people. And what will happen is is if you promise certainty and you don't deliver, ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to lose credibility. You'll lose trust with the people that you lead. And you'll lose influence. And in times of uncertainty, you can't afford to lose these things. Now, here's what's true. You can be uncertain, but you cannot afford to be unclear. Today, I want to unpack this for you because clarity is experienced by people as leadership. When you find yourself in a situation uh, where everything seems to be uncertain, if you can provide some clarity, people will actually experience that as leadership. You know, Someone uh, or the person who paints the clearest picture of what the future is at the time and, uh, and can give some clarity to that, that person is ultimately just perceived as someone who is the leader in whatever environment they find themselves as. Uh, and when all sorts of uncertainty is around clarity, is the next best thing to certainty. See, when you find yourself in uh, these crazy times, one of the best things you can do is you can just be honest with people, but try to give some clarity. You can say things like, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but here's what we're going to do right now. Here's the next step that we're going to take right now. You know, we may adjust things as we go, but here's what we're going to do to start with. Give just a little bit of clarity. Or uh, another thing you can say is like, uh, I, I have no idea. The plans may change, but right now I think this is the, our best next step. Giving some clarity is really important. And here's, here's the, the, the rule that we're going to come back to over and over and over today. And I'm going to uh, say it now and I'll say it over and over and over. You'll hear it. Uh, be clear when you are not certain. See, now there's two stories in Scripture that I think share this uh, lesson very clearly, and I want to share these stories with you today. The first one comes from uh, the the Old Testament. You remember the guy named Moses? Moses was the leader of the Hebrew people. He helps take the people out of Israel Egypt. As a kid, we sang the song Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Moses was a guy who helped lead them out of control of Pharaoh. And the Hebrews take off, they navigate, they cross the Red Sea. They find themselves there in the desert, wandering around. They get themselves, actually they they go south, then they kind of head north to the Jordan River. And uh, they get right up to the Jordan River, ready to cross into this new land, this promised land that God has for them. And they lose their nerve it's like they, they send some spies over and they all kind of chicken out about whether or not they can go and conquer the land. And so from there, they begin just, they give up. They go back to wandering around the desert. For 40 years, they wander around in the desert and Moses is there leading them. Now, after this entire generation of people who basically doubted, that's a whole other sermon, but they uh, doubted whether or not God was going to deliver them into the promised land. After that entire generation. Passes away or uh, expires, if you will. Moses leads them back to the edge of the Jordan River, and right then Moses hands off the baton to the, of leadership to the next guy, and that guy was named Joshua. Now Joshua is not new to the scene. Joshua had been like the number two leader for a while. Joshua was there uh, with them, and he he's been around Moses for quite some time. He's been mentored by Moses. The thing was, though the leadership environment had changed dramatically. Like all of Moses' leadership was all around this idea of wandering. Wandering around the desert. Moses had learned and mastered the art of wandering. It was like leadership 101 underneath Moses. Uh, How do you wander the desert? Well, proper manna etiquette. That's what we should do. Like, how do you pick it up? What do you do? You can't keep it overnight. It will It'll expire overnight. Like, there was like, this is how you handle the manna. Manna was what God provided the people to eat. Or uh, another one um, uh, would be, you know, 201 would be uh, how to deal with snake bite remedies. You know? You may, if you don't know that story, you can go read the story of Exodus. Uh, Maybe, actually, probably 101 would have been follow the cloud. You know, like, this is all the lessons that Moses had taught Joshua. And so Joshua had learned all of these things from him. But when Joshua takes over, the wandering is over. They go from wandering around to settling down. Now we're going to get into our space. We're going to figure out our new land, the land that's supposed to be flowing with milk and honey, the land that God has promised us. This is going to be our space And Joshua literally had thousands of families looking to him. And I believe he was probably a bit overwhelmed. And I say that because if you look at what Joshua, uh, if you look at the story of Joshua, and you look at what God says to him, you can pick up on this really quickly. In Joshua 1, chapter 9, uh, God says to him, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? To which I wonder, can you command somebody to be courageous? You've heard me talk about this in the past. I'm working on this with my son. like how do you teach someone to be more courageous? How do you teach somebody to face their fears? Like can you command them to be courageous? Which I think in reality what God is telling him is, is like behave courageously or lead courageously. So he continues on. He says, do not be afraid. do not be discouraged. The reason God tells Joshua to not be afraid, uh, and this is the proof. Joshua was probably afraid. He was probably a little stressed out. He probably wasn't sleeping super well. He was trying to find the melatonin. You know? He's like stressed out. I believe Joshua was afraid and God speaks to it. And apparently you can command somebody to not be discouraged. And you can, uh, you can command somebody to be courageous because God does it with Joshua. And the reason that he tells Joshua he can be strong and he can stand up and not live in fear, is right here, he says, for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Notice this. Like the basis of Joshua's courage is not his ability to predict the future. It's not his ability to have it all figured out It's not Joshua's complete certainty on how the whole thing's going to work out. The foundation of Joshua's courage and strength was that God was with him, and he could be confident in that. Now, what happens next is really practical, and this is the part that I think is the leadership point. You see, uh, then Joshua, uh, so Joshua ordered the officers of all the people, and basically all of the people had been Uh, broken down into groups. There were thousands of people, but Joshua, uh, through Moses, had actually divvied up the leadership. And so there were leaders of different family groups. And so there was like officers of the family. And uh, so he goes and uh, he orders the officers to go through all the people. And what Joshua says to the people is as important as what he doesn't say. Or I'm sorry, what he doesn't say, excuse me, is as important as what he does say. And I wanna wanna, like talk about this for just a second. You say, Joshua tells the officers, I want you to go through and talk to all the people. And his next command is so important. You see, he doesn't step into the scene and start telling them all the things of, of reasons why uh, they should have no fear because now I'm the leader. I know what's going on. I know what's going to happen. He didn't tell them, now that I'm in charge, you have nothing to worry about. That's not what he says to the people. Uh, he didn't say everything's going to work out fine because you know, the people at this point in time are craving certainty. He doesn't give them what they want, but he gives them the next best thing, which is clarity. So he tells them to go through the city or go through the camp, get your provisions ready. So he gives them something to do. So he's got, here's, here's the thing. Like, we got all this stuff that's going on. I know you're all stressed out about this. I know you're, lo- I know you're losing your minds on uh, what's going to happen. Like, all of our uh, ancestors have given you all the stories. And he says, hey, I know you're all freaked out about this stuff, but listen, here's what we're going to do. He says, get your provisions ready. And then notice this. He anchors their attention to the next thing, that they would do, and exactly when they would do it. So he's giving them clear instructions, he's giving them clarity as to what they're going to do, and he goes from there and he says this, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan River, go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Now, I imagine the people come to him with all sorts of questions, because I've led enough people to know that you don't just give commands and not have some feedback constructive criticism, right? People come to you and say, wait, 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 wait. Listen, my grandpa told me that on the other side of this river, there were giants. If you know the story of, of Exodus, like literally they sent spies into the land and evidently there was a bunch of galers over there or something because they were all freaked out and they were like, whoa, these guys are huge. You know, like these guys are bigger than us. Like they will conquer us so bad. Like, this is, this is not where we want to go. Like, I heard the rumors. There are big people over there. And I, Moses is like, listen, or Joshua says, listen, three days from now, get all your stuff ready. We're going to cross the river. Well, wait, wait, wait. How are we going to get all these people across there? Like, how's that actually going to happen? And Joshua just says, listen, focus on this. Get your stuff ready. And three days from now, we're going to cross the river right here. Like He just keeps reminding people of the the simple things. This is what you need to focus on. Here's the stuff that we're going to worry about right now. I'm going to give you the clear instructions. Stay with this. I know our minds want to wander. I know we want to go over here. We're going to focus on the things that we can control. We're going to focus on the things that are right before us. Here is our next step. So everybody knew the details that Joshua is sharing, but no one knew what was going to happen for sure, did they? I think this is a leadership lesson that we can, we can grab a hold of. And if you find yourself in a situation as a leader, not, I'm not sure what to do in this exa- exact moment, give people some clarity and then give them something to do. And Joshua shows us like you may not have all the answers. You may not know what's going on, uh, what's going to happen in the future. You may not know how the number is going to turn out. You don't know how the quarter is going to end. You don't know all of those things, but these are you do know a few things. So give your people something a clear instruction and give them something to do. Uh, When you find yourself in these moments of uncertainty like this, it's kind of like uh, this analogy. You ever been out on a country road driving in the dark? It feels like this is life right now to me. Uh, I grew up out in the country and so some of the roads we knew like the back of your hand, like you knew where the bumps were. You know, you'd be flying down the road as a teenager driving too fast. Uh, You didn't want your mom to know, of course, Uh, but it'd be dark. And the roads would wind and curve. And sometimes you knew the roads like the back of your hand, right? But then you go on vacation. You find yourself driving around. Uh, this last winter around Christmas time, my family, we went down uh, to uh, Tennessee to spend some time in the mountains. And there was a legit, when we were going up to our, uh, this little cabin we were staying in, it was so dark, you couldn't see. And I had my brights on. And like you'd go up over these hills and the roads would turn and you're not sure if you're going to go off the edge of the mountain. And I'm not kidding people. This is a neighborhood. Uh, I don't know how these people live there because my truck, which has four wheel drive, like we literally had to put it in four wheel drive to get up and around some of these turns. And there were some moments when you're taking like a blind turn. You'd like come up over and then you're like, whoa, and you're coming down and you're turning and it's all in the dark. Like your first drive is in the dark. The only way to know what's truly ahead, though, is to keep moving forward. You know where you're trying to get to, and there's that temptation, like, well, we can wait for morning, we can wait, and we can keep, but the reality is, like, you the only way to truly know what's ahead is to keep moving forward. When you're faced with uncertainty, sometimes uh, the best next thing to do is just to take one step. Figure out what's one clear next step. Well, I can see right here. We're going to take that step and then we'll, we're going to move forward from there. Keep going with one step. You see, uh, if you're unable or unwilling to be clear when things are uncertain, you will contribute to the uncertainty. Like if you choose not to, to focus in on trying to be clear, When you find yourselves in these moments of uncertainty, what will end up happening is you end up being a contributing factor to the chaos. You end up adding confusion. You give all sorts of space for that to continue to swell. And here's what can happen as a leader. uh, I'll say it this way. Don't pretend you know more than you do. Like, you are not a leader, or I'll say it this way, you're not a parent because you know everything. They didn't, like, give me a test when I had my kids make sure I knew all of the right answers and how to execute everything. As a matter of fact, I was kind of surprised at how unqualified they are willing to let some of these parents walk out with a child. Did anybody else feel that when you had your first kid? Like, I drive a big truck, and I was thinking, like, these people are driving way too fast close to my vehicle, you know? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. You're going to send me home now? I've like only changed one diaper. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you're not a parent because you're omniscient. Like you, you know, that's not a qualifier for you. So what you have to do is you have to figure out how to be honest, but also be hopeful. Because if you're not honest about what's going on, the sharp people around you, they will ultimately know when you are bluffing. Smart people can figure that out. And what ends up happening is you lose credibility with them. You know, when people are looking to you for hope, that's not the time to pretend. You have to be honest, and I'll be honest with you: I have the ability to be an optimist, um, and I can get—I can want to always try to pretend things aren't as bad as maybe they appear to be. You see, the truth is, though, pretending erodes credibility quicker than admitting you don't know, and that's the truth. Like, the fastest way to erode erode your credibility is to act like you know things that you really don't because people will find out. You see, uh, that's the last thing you want to lose again when you find yourself in uncertain times is your credibility. You see, another thing is is uncertainty. It exposes a lack of knowledge, but pretending exposes a lack of character. You know, when... uh, When I think about how I want to lead, I want to be a leader that leads with great character. I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, definitely not the best looking, but I want to be somebody who has great character. So, as you think about how do you lead in some of these moments, in these big times of uncertainty, just a little recap, be honest. Uh, Be honest, be realistic, but reassuring. Like, be honest about what's going on, but you, you have to give a little bit of hope, and then be candid and clear. You know, one of my first jobs when I was a kid, I grew up out in the country, north of here a little bit, and uh, I worked in a chicken house, which was a blast. I know why they put kids in those situations, because they can't get, like, people whose minds are fully developed to do those jobs. Um... So what we would do is, is like the chicken houses that we worked in, uh, and if you're somebody who's like cage-free, this might offend you, uh, but these ch- chickens were in cages. And so the, the chickens were, there was like rows that they would push these carts in, and a couple times a year, you would put chickens in the chicken house, and then when they'd grown to a certain point, you would remove them and take them out. So uh, one of my first leadership positions was to lead a row in the chicken house. And so I had a team of other students Who were in my row pushing these carts and I had a training day Uh, and so there I am and like one of my first I'd done the job for a couple of times and so now they're like hey Matt we want you to lead or be one of the row leaders and so I was like all right this is going to be great and uh, they were like you're trying to think to yourself like what on earth could be the like the worst thing that could happen in a chicken house but there's all sorts of things that can happen like you could pull out a dead chicken what am I supposed to do with this dead chicken And so there's all these weird things that go on, right? And so I remember one of the leaders uh, who was giving us this leadership lesson, he taught us something that you've probably been taught as well, but we sometimes forget when we find ourselves in these moments of uncertainty. And he says this, listen, if you find yourself in a situation and you're not entirely sure what the answer is, don't lie to the kids and make up something. Like, don't tell them to do something if you don't know what's going on. Like, because we had kids making really bad decisions, throwing chickens down into the pit and stuff like that. Like, there's something wrong with this one. Throw it down there, I guess. You know, like, just making really bad decisions, I guess. And so he says, don't be making up things. If you don't know exactly what you're supposed to do, say this, I don't know, but I will find out. If you don't know the answers, don't lie. Don't pretend like you know the answer. Just say, hey, I don't know, What I'm supposed, you know, I don't know the right answer. I don't know what we're supposed to do, but I'll tell you what. Wait a moment. I'll go try to find out. I don't know what we're supposed to do with this, but if you wait and give me some time, I promise you, I'm going to go and I'll figure this thing out for you. You see, I personally will hesitate to follow somebody uh, that pretends because it's difficult to know if you can truly trust them. If they're going to be honest about uh, what's going on. So things you can say to them is, you know, I don't know right now, but I'm certain together we can figure this out. Or you find yourself leading a team and uh, you can say things like, hey, we've never seen anything like this before in our industry, Uh, but with your gift mix and this team, I think that we can figure this out. And In the meantime, uh, here's a couple of things I think we can try in the process. You know, or in, in if it's in a faith environment where it's safe to say this, because I know in some workspaces you don't necessarily want to throw your faith out there at people and in their face. But you know, I would say things like this. You know, we've never faced this before, but I believe with God's help and our talent within this space, we don't have anything to really be worried about. Right? Just be honest and be clear. See. We have to make sure that people don't despair. They can find themselves going into a deep pit, but we also have to be very honest about them, uh, about the reality, right? We have to be honest. So if you are someone who wants to find yourself, uh, you want to be somebody like me, who's super optimistic and can find the, the silver lining in everything, uh, one of the things that can happen is that you can set people up for disappointment, Say, oh, everything's going to be fine. We're going we're to go back to normal. And then all of a sudden, things don't work out the way. And so you set them up for disappointment. And we don't want to set our people up for disappointment whenever you leave them. Your kids included. This is why I never make any promises to my kids. Like my kids will pin me down. Dad, you promised that I could have an Oreo. <laughs> you know, these are high stakes in my household, people. Like you just know as a parent, you're like, I don't promise my kids things because they will hold me to them. Like and you set them up for disappointment. You say, "I promise you, I promise you can do that." And then you get home, you're like, "No, it's way too late. That's not going to work out." And now you've got a small like mutiny on your hands, right? You said we could have. You've been there. People don't change; they just grow up, right? It's worse when they get older too. The bonus was supposed to happen, right? You know, and if you're somebody who likes to bury people with all the facts. And all the statistics, uh, you know, we leave people with no option but despair sometimes, because we study the whole thing out. And as I think about how I'm saying this, this is like Brad and I on two different continuums. You got one leader who is like the—he—he he calls himself a realist. I use the word pessimist, <laughs> and then I'm the optimist, you know. And that's probably, you know, whatever. I don't—I can't think of a negative word for that because I'm an optimist. <laughs> Uh, But you find yourself in these two different ways, in two different kind of scenarios. Like, the reality, is like we all have different temperaments. And if we can be really uh, honest about who we are and what we're trying to do, if we can find ourselves there uh, somewhere in the middle, if you can rein in your temperaments, it'll go a long way as we lead each other, right? We have to hold our temperaments in check. If we can stand in the middle, we can rein those things in. Somewhere in the middle is probably the best case scenario, right? See, hope is actually rooted in reality, not in some imaginary world. Like, no one wants hope that doesn't exist in reality, right? Like, hope is rooted in reality, and if we can find a way to live somewhere in that and reign in our temperaments, we'll be leading well. We'll be doing our communities a favor. So the reality is We have to face the brutal facts and then give people something to do. So I'll say it this way. Be clear when you can't be certain. And one last thing uh, to to kind of of button this thing up. uh, Another great thing to do is to seek wise counsel. If you find yourself in a situation where you're not entirely sure what to do, uh, I look to leaders who are wiser than me, smarter than me, who have been doing this longer than me, See, leadership is not about making decisions on your own. Lots of times we think, oh, I'm the leader. I've got to make all the decisions. No, that's not true. But leadership's about owning the decisions. Owning the decisions once you've made them. Uh, That's the trickier part, right? You see, uncertainty will not be uh, your undoing as a leader or as a parent. It just won't. Because everybody knows what that feels like. But be clear even when you're not certain. Uh, the reason people will not follow you when you are unclear is not because they don't want to. It's because they can't. They don't know what you're asking of them. They don't know where you're wanting to go. They have no clue where, where you're headed because it's unclear. So take some time. Try to figure this thing out. Where what's a what's a clear next step you can lead people to? And to wrap up, you guys remember the, the time. Uh, remember that time Jesus resurrected. <laughs> you guys, remember the resurrection. Uh, Jesus, you know, he lived, had done his ministry. He had his guys following him. He had a team of people. There were literally thousands of people who traveled around with Jesus. He had his network of guys that were his his close disciples. And there, uh, during the resurrection or after the resurrection, there was all sorts of uncertainty about what was going to come next. So they even asked Jesus, what is next? Are you starting a kingdom? Like, Are you going to go sit on a throne? Are we going to conquer Rome? Are we throwing them out? Uh, and notice Jesus in his responses, he never gave people the certainty. Uh, he never told them exactly what was going to happen to a T. He never said, hey, hey, uh, you know, John, you're going to live a while. Peter, you're going to get crucified upside down. Like, he didn't give them the certainty that they were looking for, but instead, he gave them something to do. And then they went and did it. And they moved forward in spite of an immense amount of uncertainty. And their obedience changed the world. And remember, Jesus, he said this All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now, he didn't say, like, he's been given it to me, so here's how this is all going to play out. He doesn't give them what they want, but he gives them something to do. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, again, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's important. Uh, it's, it's more important for you to know what to do than to know how everything's going to work out. Like, there's things that you can do. And he gives them just some clear next steps. I want you to go, I want you to go make disciples, and I want you to baptize them. And then he gives them the promise that uh, you saw there in Joshua. when he says this And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he was, and they did, and here we sit. You see, when you find yourselves in moments of uncertainty, you can't afford to be unclear. So find one simple thing to be clear about and give people something to do. So moms and dads or boss or leader or influence, uh, influencer, you Instagram people, uh, You know, you may not be able to provide certainty, but you can provide clarity. And I believe that's what will make all the difference. Let me say a word of prayer for us. Lord, we come to you now, and Lord, we realize, we recognize uh, very honestly and openly that in times of uncertainty, we can feel stuck. We can freak out. Sometimes we want to pretend that it's not... Uh, that these things aren't happening. We, wanna, we don't want to necessarily be honest. Sometimes we want to just despair and go to the dark places and, and live in our basement in our sweatpants and just eat bonbons and ice cream or joyless chicken. And uh, Lord, we just, uh, we recognize our need for you. And we want to be brave and courageous. And Lord, may our, may our hope, may our courage be rooted in in the belief and in the faith that we know that you are with us. And Lord, I believe that as you are with us, you'll give us the strength, you'll give us the wisdom to know what to do, and then you'll give us the courage to go and do it. Be with us, Lord, as we parent, as we lead our businesses, um, and as we uh, try our best to steward the gifts and the opportunities that you've given us. And uh, Lord, we give it to you uh, because we are accountable to you for it. And uh, Lord, may you be honored by what we do with it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, I. As I listen, there's always little things that stand out to me. I never thought that we would have to apologize to the cage-free people in the audience, uh, as Matt did there, but uh, again, apologies, and if PETA's watching, we're sorry. We do not endorse the unfair or unjust treatment of of chickens, especially as you know that Matt and I are big, big fans of chickens, especially those raised and turned into Joella's chicken. But uh, thank you for joining us for uh, service this morning. Just a reminder there, we're gonna be jumping into the lobby. So if you're in the live stream, uh, we're gonna be jumping right into the lobby. We've got some stuff to share. Um, if you're here in person, you can either kind of sit in the room and watch the lobby or you can watch in the, uh, the lobby out there in person, um, or you can watch it anytime later on. All of our live streams stay up on our Facebook page. We're gonna be working next week for our live streaming audience, just to give you a little bit of a heads up. We're adding some additional platforms that we're streaming on. So by next Sunday, hopefully, we should, and we'll be announcing that this coming week. Um, You'll be seeing this via Mojotext. But next week, we'll be adding uh, YouTube live streaming as well. So um, for some people, that works better. Or for some people, if you're like me and you absolutely hate Facebook, and consider it to be like a wretched hum of skive and uh, uh, of villainy and scum and just everything else awful out there. (laughs) It's it's a a safer alternative where you don't have to necessarily wade into uh, all the craziness that is Facebook. But uh, we will continue to offer Facebook. Uh, now, I, now Matt's offended the chicken people and I've offended the Facebook people. So apologies to them as well. Um, we're going to continue doing that, but we have YouTube as well that we're going to be adding into our live streaming setup there. So you'll be able to stream and rewatch those um, as well. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll be wrapping up next week with the final week of greetings from 2020. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday or we'll see you in the lobby.